Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Anyway, we're in a series called The Gospel Effect. Got one more, I think, of this. And uh, this series we're doing is, is all about how did the gospel uh, affect other people's lives after Jesus ministered to them or after they um, had a deliverance or a healing or et cetera. And so last week we talked a little bit about the, the madman of Gadara. And so I had different people ask me different questions about different things. So I thought, if you're here, uh, so I thought I'd back up a little bit. I'm, I'm going to give you like, you ever had those books where you do Choose Your Adventure? You never had those? Gracias, baby girl. I love you. Thank you. I know you read it. If anybody's read it in here, it'll be my daughter. She reads everything. Uh, if you want to, she may not compete with you against like softball or something like that, but put her, put her in competition against reading. She'll probably kick her tail. So um, it's crazy. I read a lot. I thought I read a lot. But anyway, uh, so choose your adventure books are those kind of things in school. You're in grade school that it, you know, you're on a deserted island. So here's your supplies, a first aid kit. You know, a bottle of vodka, like coffee. It, seriously, there's stuff like that, like it, little things. What do you do first? And a lot of people say, "Oh, well, I'm stranded, so I, I, you know, I got injured from the crash or whatever. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink the, the vodka to get rid of the pain. Worst thing you could do, right? Dehydrates you. Now you're gonna die. You know, it's and you go to the page where you pick it, and it tells you, bad choice. You just died, right? And so anyway, it's a choose your adventure thing. So anyway, a little choose your adventure this morning. Got a few minutes, all right. So last week we talked about the man-man of Gadara. You probably think, oh my gosh, who, who does this? I don't know. I'm just, this is totally off the cuff right now. So um, I'm going to do it and think about it later. All right. So Haley thinks before she speaks, I speak before I think. <laughs> so I guess, why, I guess why I do what I do. Anyway, uh, choose your adventure. All right. So last week we talked about the man, madman of Gadara. Um, uh, would you like me to answer a couple of questions about that? About uh, some of the things that people ask about evil spirits and things like that, et cetera, et cetera. About, uh, you know, uh, can I watch... This or that, how extreme are you with this kind of stuff, Pastor Jody? How serious are you? Are you just want me to go on to this message today? We're going to be talking about Lazarus. So um, either way, I'm going to talk about Lazarus, but you want me to take a few minutes to talk about this? Or, yeah? Choose your adventure. Okay. These folks want to get off the island. Okay, it's so cool. All right, so uh, I had a couple people ask me different questions. Hey, Pastor Jody, so how serious are you about this? Okay, so full disclosure. <clears throat> I think we've seen all the Marvel movies like a hundred times. I don't sit around the house and like worry about, uh, you know, if a black cat comes across our yard, that stuff doesn't move me. Like our pastor would say, take it serious, but don't take it too serious. Got it? Uh, my kids, when a couple of years back, they wanted to see the Harry Potter movies. I'd never seen Harry Potter movies. I, I could care less, you know, but you know what? I thought, here's my thing. Now, you may parent different. You do whatever you want to do. You feel, you got to be convicted about the Holy Spirit about certain things. Because some people can't handle certain movies. Some people, and you, by the way, you don't need to watch things that are like, you know, uh, there, there was this whole thing. I heard Christians back when that, uh, uh, 50, 50 Shades of Grey came out. There was a whole group of Christians that thought it was wise to watch it for romantic ideas. That's about the dumbest thing. I've ever, that's called flesh driven Christianity is what it is. You just wanted to watch it. You, some things you just don't need to watch. You understand like, and, oh, well, I just watch for this, whatever. I mean, I got pastor friends that'll say stuff, not local, but they, they've told me, oh, I watch this stuff over here. And I'm like, how do you watch that? Well, I watch it with my wife. I'm like, dude, um, I'm sorry, but that's to me, uh, the eye gate windows to the soul. And you know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta really guard that. So you gotta, there's something I'm saying, you be led on it, okay? When I'm talking about this about Harry Potter. But then on the other side, there are some things, it's like with alcohol. Alright, maybe you have wine, that, no, just, there's, the Bible doesn't go against, okay? Just don't get drunk on it, right? But, the Bible's pretty clear about things like high, heavy spirits. Like, 80 proof, 90 proof, I'm sorry. You're not gonna get this guy here to go along with you and saying, it's cool. It ain't cool. The Bible pretty much forbids you to drink heavy liquor. So do with it what you want to. There's things like that that gives us boundaries, but then there's some things you have, it's on your own turf. You understand what I'm saying, right? Some things are conviction-based, other things are Bible-driven. You can't, they're clear. Marriage is holy before God, man and a woman. Not in the eyes of God, get the paperwork, right? Just do it. Get married, right? 
That, those are things God calls us to. But now, he don't tell you. Now, some people say, well, he told me who to marry. That's fine. Most of the time, let's just be honest. Uh, you pray and hope it works out. Let's just be honest, right? You know what I mean? what you're doing. Let's just be honest. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you're still praying and hoping it, you know. You thought he was fine like cherry wine, man. That was good when he had a six-pack. But now, it's like brother is like, you know, man, he ain't so hot anymore. Well, it happens in life, right? But you can't quit. Now you got to work it out and all. So anyway, I told you, this is totally off the cuff. Anyway, so Harry Potter, uh, my kids have to watch it. So I was like, yeah, I don't know about all this. I heard this is crazy stuff. So I thought, all right, I tell you what, I'll preview it, and then I'll let you know. That's kind of my, my MO. I'll preview, and then I'll say, okay, we'll, we'll watch it. I watched the thing and fell asleep three times. I'm like, this is the most boring movie I've ever seen in my life. And so finally, you know, if that offends you, please don't tell me. I don't, it doesn't, whatever. You know, I don't care. <laughs> um, I watched it, previewed it, and I thought, this ain't that big a deal. And I, here's what I found through it. I found lessons I could teach my kids through it. Everybody's watching all that kind of stuff. It was kind of this thing. So I thought, let's watch it. Let me show you some stuff. It wasn't the magician stuff that bothered me. It was so much of the deception in the movie by different characters. I said, look at this. Here's this poor kid who's trying to do the best he can and learn his little magic wand stuff. And look how deceitful these leaders are in his life. Like his, the people that should be mentors in your life ought to be people you can trust. He couldn't trust any of them. I told my girls, like, look, watch this. Look at this. And so we learned, we took things like that as an opportunity to learn a lesson. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, they looked at, and after a while they're like, eh, whatever. I didn't want to get into a thing with those kind of things where, well, that's us. You do whatever you want to do. If you don't feel like you should watch it, then you shouldn't. But for us, I wasn't worried about little Harry Potter and his little wand coming around my house, all right? But we didn't get into it that deep either. I didn't buy my kids wands. They want, no, we ain't doing that. We're not casting spells. Even my littlest one, she thought it was funny, cause, not because of the, the movie. It had nothing to do with that. It was, I don't know what she, something else. I don't know where she got in her idea. Probably from that little, you know, those little preschool shows, the little Disney, uh, little Sophia the Princess. Ba-ding, ba-ding, they're always doing something on there. And uh, she thought it would be cool. I said, no, we don't do spells. We don't do that stuff. See, your kids pick up on all this stuff. But it's up to us to, to mold and shape and direct them in their lives. But here's the thing I'll tell you. I, I found this out with kids. And now... My kids are still at home, so <laughs> I ain't got rid of them yet. Like, so if you have already, you may be further along, and you think, I'm wrong. That's fine. Help me out. Pray for me and help me in Jesus' name, right? But um, the thing that I felt like was this. Uh, there's enough battles to fight. Um, I'm not going to sit there and fight over something like a Harry Potter. That wasn't a big deal to us. Now, there's other stuff that is. I'm like, no, we're not watching that. Now, you have to be convicted by those things for yourself. Now, I'm letting you a little bit on our life. I'm not going to hide that from you. I'm not going to snap here and act like uh, my kids don't go to the movies and enjoy. We went and watched Indiana Jones. I mean, and so here's the thing I would just say. Before you pick on somebody and watch the Harry Potter movie, if you watched Indiana Jones, it's just as weird. <laughs> Harrison Ford is still kicking, man. Slinging that whip. Whoosh, whoosh, swinging across stuff. Brother is jumping off stuff like, you know. But there's all kind of spiritual backdrops and all that kind of stuff. I remember watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, that was weird, you know. <laughs> be honest with you, it's probably not accurate, <laughs> let's be honest. But I thought it was cool how they did give some reverence to, to the ark. Um, here's the thing, all that stuff. Take it serious, but don't take it too serious. Don't get weird. At the same time, the reality is you live in a world where there are uh, evil spirits. There is principality, powers, might, and things in the, the, the heavens, if you will. And if you don't, if that bothers you, I just want to encourage you today. Uh, you have authority and power through Jesus Christ. We'll show you some of that stuff in a minute. You shouldn't fear any of it. I don't fear, and I don't mind calling out. I know some people that, well, I can't believe you called out the fortune teller on Shorter. Well, um, I'm sorry, but guys, listen, I, I don't understand timid Christianity anymore. I tried, look, I tried for, when everybody was into it, I tried to be sweet. I tried to be like, yeah, let's just love everybody. But I'm, Jesus said, at Capernaum, if the miracles that had been done in Capernaum had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, where homosexuality ran rampant, they would have repented and been healed and the city would not have been destroyed. You understand. So we got in this conversation with my buddies and I, and so the conversation went to that, about these things about 
you know, evil spirits. You know, how bad are they? I said, I'll tell you something. I said, do you know what the worst one is? Jesus called different ones. There's all kinds of them. And just let me say this. Just because you're sick doesn't mean you got a devil. Can I, can we just all agree? I mean, I'm lactose intolerant. I don't have a devil. I have a chrome gene or some whatever. It doesn't work. I can't process dairy. That's all it is. I've prayed. I've asked God to deliver me three times, but it's a thorn in the flesh. You know what I'm saying? But ice cream does not affect me. I don't know why. Just thank Jesus for it. That's all I can say. I can't drink milk. I wish I could. I just, but I'm saying that to you because just because you're sick doesn't mean you got a devil. Not everything is an evil spirit. When you see that in the Bible, these people worshiped idols. They were into stuff so deep. False idols. They worshiped spirits. When you do that, you open up to all that stuff. Okay, does that make sense? You're not doing that. You got a headache. It's not a devil. Take an Advil. Lay down. You know, you're going to be all right. Some things, though, the enemy can't oppress you with. He really can. He can mess with your head, and before long, you think, well, man, I'm so depressed. Well, it doesn't mean you have a devil, but he can try to put pressure on you to oppress your life, put fear on you so that you're afraid to go anywhere in life. Put this kind of, this, this idea that something bad's gonna happen. Can I just encourage you with one thing? In all of civilization, there are no humans that ever have lived on this earth in, per- in forever. It, they all, all of us at some point go to meet our maker. So whether it's now or 20 or 40 years from now, none the, it's gonna happen. So this fear of death, I don't, I'm not looking to check out tomorrow, but at the same time, there should be enough peace in our lives where, you know what, I'm not going to be afraid. The Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. Now we're going to talk about some of that in a minute, but I just want to encourage you, if it's a pressure of fear and it gets you so afraid, that might not just be your mind, that could be the enemy putting it on you. And so you've got to pray, and you've got to ask God to help you with those kind of things. I don't believe Christians can be possessed. I do think, though, you can be oppressed. And I've experienced it, man. Listen, you get down the dumps, and before long, you don't even realize why and what happened. And, it, and it, listen, it doesn't mean that he just did it. You get overstressed, tired, you run too hard, you never take Sabbaths. I'm going to tell you from experience. You know, I sat on the backside of a, a cabin, you know, crying like a baby, over some memory I had because uh, I was working so much and not knowing why. I mean, I just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Well, whenever you work and you never stop, if you never take a break to rejuvenate, you, you put that on yourself and you open yourself up to something where oppression now comes on you and says, well, you're tired. He's going to come at you even harder. So there's some things you can do. Like I like bacon occasionally, but I can't eat every day. If I do, it's probably going to cause me to have to go to the doctor. You can like there, don't lie. The Bible says eat whatever. Okay, whatever then. When I have to come pray for you, right, because you won't stop eating bacon all the time, whatever the case is, you, there's, there are things that we do. You understand that? Like I can't eat Reese's Cups every day. I wish I could. It ain't going to work. At some point, it's just I got to stop it, okay? But then there's the side where the enemy does come at you. It's real. Take it serious, but don't take it too serious. Can, can we all agree with that? So I'm going to tell you, let you in a little secret. So we were talking to his buddies, and we were talking about this, the whole thing about evil spirits and how they, there's evil out there. Just look around. Our police officers are asking right now, or maybe city commissioner, I can't remember who called it, but about some of the gun violence that had happened more recent in our city. You think Atlanta has problems. Uh, we've had more gun stuff happen here in the last, I don't know how long. It's just silly. Well, what is that? Do you think it's just something somebody got up one day and said, you know, I just feel like being mean today? No, over a period of time, they get into this thing and they're influenced and eventually they do these things. It's real. So you pray against it. You don't want to be afraid of it. You pray against it, right? So <clears throat> I told them, though, but of all the things I've ever dealt with as a pastor, and I've seen some of this stuff before. I've seen some weird stuff, okay? Um, I definitely have. It's just stuff you only explain. That's just the devil. But I ain't sit there dwelling all the time. I, of all the times I've preached, you probably never heard me talk this much about this. I just don't get into it that much because you know why? Because I'm not going to give him that much power. 
I don't give him that much of the platform. I'm not giving him any of the platform, number one. Number two, though, even talking about it, I just want him to know he's, he's nothing. He really is nothing. And uh, that's why, in the end, when he's exposed, uh, everybody's going to look and go like, this is the one that's caused all these problems? Him? In Revelation, talks about this is him? We were worried about him? We're all going to be very mad because we let him kind of push us around. But home of all the spirits I've ever seen, Jesus calls different ones throughout the Bible. There are some from infirmaries. There are some uh, from deaf, mute, etc. Not all, though. I would say hardly any around us. But I have seen a few. But all the things I've seen and experienced. The worst, number one, the worst evil spirit I've ever come across. And would you like to know what it is? So my buddies are asking, yeah, what, what? I'll leave you on a little cliffhanger. Now, I don't know if you've ever encountered these kind of things before. I'll tell you the worst, by far. This is 10 to 1 more worse than anything else you can ever see. Oh, you mean the, the, the witches out there? No. They're nothing. They, they're so weak. They're nothing. What about, what about those who, you know, they, they're, they're into, you know, you know, all the tarot cards and all that kind of stuff. Or they play the, no, they're nothing. The worst spirit I've ever come across is a religious spirit. And if you don't believe that, go read your Bible when Jesus said how many times he could do no mighty works and could do no work because of the religious people. He healed people on a Sabbath and they wanted to crucify him then. That's a religious spirit. I mean, just just flat out, not want anybody to cross in 40 years, but you can argue about every book of the Bible. That's a religious spirit. You know what I'm saying? Our mission is to reach people. Right. It's not to figure out how many books of the Bible and quote all this stuff and do all this. To make a disciple, yes. But if I haven't reached anybody for Christ, I can argue more points in the Bible than I have people I've reached for Jesus. That, that's a religious devil. I'm going to tell you right now. And I'm t- when you encounter them, you can't move them. They will not because they have to be right. They cannot just say, you know what? Maybe I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand it. Maybe I, I see it one way, you see it one way. It's not really worth, it's not really worth arguing about. I mean, we're not talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ here. We're talking about getting mad because, uh, you know, uh, uh, you don't see it the same way as I do about the dispensational time period and it's different by five years. Does it really matter? Get so mad about the end time. Is Jesus, is it a rapture of the church? Is it pre, mid, or post-trip? Tribulation. I I don't know. That was not, so when we were in school, we did all this stuff. We just studied eschatology. I'm going to tell you something. I thought I I had a better idea of it before I went. (laughs) I got more confused after I was there. And you wonder why I don't preach on it? Because I don't understand half of it. I'm just being honest with you. You need to watch the guy on TV with the big billboards to tell you all the tanks and the bombs and airplanes and what the dragons and all that stuff. You'll be entertained with that. To me, I don't find it to be very uplifting. I don't find it to be very encouraging. I don't find it helpful. You know why? Because I'm trying to reach people for Jesus. And when he comes back, all I want to do is go. If it's pre, fine. If it's middle, okay. If it's post, fine. We'll figure it out when we get there. It's going to be funny if there's a fourth one. That's what's going to be funny, you know. Uh, Anyway, the worst one I ever counted, religious. And here's how you know when you encounter it is because uh, they have to always be right. They have to always prove their point. And, and you cannot, you can't even move forward with at all in anything. They, they just will not leave you alone about it. And um, uh, so I was telling our, my buddies, I was like, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's awful. And I can give you some more detail on it later, but I, you, you get what I'm saying. I, I just wanted you to hear that. I mean, take it serious. Don't take it too serious. You know, I don't argue with people anymore like I used to. Because I feel like it's my duty, I have to really prove, you know, they're showing me this in the Bible, and that's not right, but I feel like I have to, you know, I found out, it's like, it don't matter. Because they're not going to listen anyway, so better that I just can kind of, if I can keep peace, and just say, you know what, you and I see things differently. I have a friend, he and I disagree on the, on the end time stuff, completely. But it's not a deal breaker for me. Because it's not a salvation issue, it is a, a misunderstanding by one of us on end times. It's not worth losing a friend over. 
But I'm telling you, some people, this stuff, they don't care. They will fight you to the end over something that really does not matter. And it's the worst evil spirit I've ever encountered. People say, oh, man, how can that be possible? It, <laughs> it is possible. So that being said, let's talk about Lazarus. Um, today, so let me show you this. Um, uh, if you guys can do the image, that first image right here, I want you to see this right here. This is something about the resurrection. When we talk about Lazarus, um, if you can go back to the first one, if you don't mind, um, and I'll show them that in just a second. It's like the screen with the, uh, with the scripture on it. I think it's on there, if I have that one. Um, but so when you look at um, uh, the resurrection and the ideas of Christ, oh, maybe I don't have it. Maybe it didn't save. Um, anyway, so Jesus says there's a verse in Psalm where, uh, there it is right there. So, you know, when he talks about this, that he knew he was going to the depths of the earth. Jesus had to trust fully in the process of the resurrection. You think that you and I have to trust the resurrection. Jesus had to as well. See, there is no, there is no idea about faith in Christ that he was exempt in faith and it's all on us. He had to have faith in the resurrection as well. Sometimes people think this, that Jesus was just on his own. He had this, he, he, he could, no, he was a man and he was the son of God. The pressure, can you imagine? Okay, I'm going to go to the cross. That's enough in Gethsemane. You don't think thoughts are running in his mind? Will God get me out? Will my daddy come through for me? I mean, I know he can. It's not about can he. I didn't say he sinned. I didn't say that. But if he was tempted in every way like you and I, then I'm telling you, he was tempted like you and I. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but if you were going into a really heavy surgery, the thought would come through because the doctors tell you, now listen, there's a chance this might not work. That gets your attention, and you think, well, what if this doesn't work? Same thing. He goes back to this scripture. This is what he goes to, though. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. I'll get to that in a moment. Or let your Holy One see corruption. In other words, you're not, he's not going to die so long that his, his, he's not going to fall into corruption. His body is not going to be corrupted, if you will. It's not going to decay. He's going to be resurrected. That is something he had to hold on to, and you see it throughout Scripture. In Ephesians, it talks about this, that the resurrection was the greatest display of God's power ever. If you want to talk about the power of God and the stuff you see on TV, that's fine. You know, I got no qualms about whatever. It floats your boat. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is no power ever that you've ever seen or heard of, no miracle that's ever been demonstrated in your lifetime that exceeds the power that God put on display when he resurrected Jesus from the dead. Because he took upon himself sin. Death, sin, in its full 100% form. It's why it says you and I were made righteous by his exchange. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, this is a big deal. He was dead in sin. He never sinned when he was on the earth, but he was made the most evil and debaucherated junk, if that's a word you've ever seen in your life, He was made that and placed into a tomb. And so you can imagine how he feels. If I go through, it's not before, before he's fully in right standing with God. But if he becomes sin, he is separated. This is why he begins to crawl out. My God, my God, why have you, because it's happening. He never at one time, but the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, always the Trinity in the heavens. And for the first time in his eternity, he is separated in the process of leaving. The light is going out and he is becoming sin. That is such a heavy burden. You think the blood in Gethsemane that he came out of it, nothing compares to what he put on himself. And this is why you should never, as a believer, walk around in fear and in condemnation of does God approve of you. Because if he did that to his son so that you could be righteous, you ought to be righteous. Not like trying to get righteous. Enjoy what he made you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you perfect? No. Do you make mistakes? Yes. But don't walk around with this, well, I'm just this poor little Christian and hope God loves me. That is the most. To say that is the biggest slap in the face of what Jesus did for us. I love you, Zach. I love you like amen corner, brother. I love you. 
And, and I know it's hard sometimes because it doesn't mean we just do what we want to and he just covers it all. I don't think most Christians do that. But he paid too great a price for us to walk around feeling beat up and beat down all the time. You made a mistake, run to God. Get it right. If you're having problems, it, your neighbors are too. Everybody's in a struggle growing through their faith. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We got to, you know, you're in a process. But he'll, he'll help you through it all, okay? All right, so anyway, greatest display, Ephesians 1.18. You can go look at it later. Greatest display of God's power ever was the resurrection. Go read it for yourself. Ephesians 1, write down verse 18 through 23. Just read it. All right, so this guy Lazarus, though, but we, we don't need to forget this power that's available to us through the resurrection. And when I read the story about Lazarus, I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture. I'm just going to talk about it as we go, okay? I don't have a lot of points. Just, just want to talk to you a little bit about this today. Because Lazarus is more than just a resurrection. It was uh, um, what we call messianic prophecy fulfilled. Never before. This is why I tell you, um, this is why Jesus was so angry against the religious spirits in the day, the priesthood. Not all, but many of them. Because they rejected Christ. It, the Bible doesn't say that they didn't understand, so they were questioning him. Like, you know, they were struggling in their faith. They just didn't know. They rejected him. That's what the scriptures say. The leadership, the priests, they rejected him. That's why he was so frustrated with them. And they rejected him. Here's how you know it. Never before. Now, there were miracles in the Bible all the time. Elijah, others did miracles. You saw many, many miracles in the Old Testament. But the Messiah, when he came, he was going to do something extra on top. Open the eyes of the blind. It didn't happen before. Who did it? Jesus did it. They knew he did it. That's a, you don't do that unless you're Messiah. And they rejected him. Others had been healed and delivered. Yes, he had uh, healed different ones, Jairus' daughter and others, uh, come back to life. But it's one thing to come back to life on the bed. It's another thing if you've been in the tomb for four days. This was a messianic, prophetic thing that took place and was fulfilled. The Messiah. And because of Lazarus being resurrected, this is what did it. That was the last straw. They couldn't handle it anymore, and that's what led him to the next step of crucifixion. But this was a proven thing. They rejected him. See, sometimes people feel bad, like they look at what Jesus called these guys, vipers. And all. You can see why now. Because they were snakes. They led people astray. And so, you know, when you think, don't think I'm being mean when I say what I say sometimes. I, you know, I, it bothers me when I see people lead other people astray. Now, I'm a pastor, right? Like, I, it bothers me. And it, I don't like it when I see people of God get pulled away into silly, goofy things. You know, it, it just bothers me. It's a burden. So don't think I'm being mean. I mean, like, I'm not. Truth's truth sometimes. And, you know, sometimes you got to say what you got to say. All right? So John 11, real quick, let's read this. John 11, 1 says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. Don't have to talk, talk about a lot of this stuff, but um, you can read about Bethany some. Bethany, Bethpage, very close near the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> it was in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're all they're one family, okay? And um, so anyway, just when you're reading the story you to understand that. It was Mary who anointed <clears throat> the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, saying, Lord, but now you have to understand, these, these were friends of his. These were not um, like the centurion who asked him to come heal his servant. These were close friends. Like, these would have been, they had dinner a lot together. They were close. He loved them very much, okay? So it says, they sent word for him, hey, listen, the one that you love is sick. Lazarus, your buddy, your good friend, you know. Well, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not, is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God might be glorified in it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Um, that means he chose to stay longer. This was not a, he couldn't get there in time. He chose. Now, I don't know about your theology on this stuff, and I, I, but I'm just going to say, um, don't give up. Don't quit. And don't, scripture says this in Galatians, uh, don't get weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Uh, it might be possible that um, he's waiting for another two days. I, I can't say for sure, but I'm just telling you, don't give up on God. Like, 
believe in him. Believe what he said. So he said, <clears throat> after he said this to his disciples, let's go on to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? He says, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks, walks in the night, he stumbles because the light's not in him. And then he said this. He said, <clears throat> after that, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I might wake him up. And the disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. <clears throat> now, Jesus had spoken of his death, <clears throat> but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you might believe, but let us go to him. Now, this is the funny thing. I think it's, Jesus, there's always a little bit of humor, I think, in some of these stories. Uh, verse 16, therefore, Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we might die with him. Like, you know, there's a lot of talk right there from Big Tom. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, look, I mean, he's all bullish, you know, one another. I'm on the, well, yeah. And then where did he, what happened to him just a couple of little, you know, a couple of weeks later there? Where did he, where did he run off to? Anyway, I find it kind of humorous. You think Jesus looked at him and was like, really? Is that a fact? Okay, Tom. Maybe that's why he showed up looking for him at the end again. Just to kind of confirm, hey man, it's all right. Anyway, so he says, when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. If you guys put that map up, I want to see. So he had time to get there. Uh, you can just put one of the maps up that I have up there, whatever we got. Um, so there's, here's Bethany. Uh, I guess you can see it. If you can't, I'm going like, to show you real quick. Look. If you can see this right here is Bethany down here on the far uh, right. There's Beth Page right there. You know, the travel, the road, if you see this, the, the, you don't do shortcuts, okay? You, you kind of would go this way. And here's the Temple Mount. You know, this whole thing's Jerusalem. But anyway, this trip, this traveling, he's going to go up and, and travel back and forth here. Um, it's not that far. Like he actually, he could have made it. I mean, I've been there. It's not that far. You could make it. He chose on purpose to wait. Now, I'm showing it to you for a reason, and I'll show you more in just a second. But it says this, that um, Bethany was near Jerusalem, very near, about two miles off. That gives you, you know, how fast can you walk a mile? I don't know, figure it out there. You know, it's not far. And many of the Jews, can you see maybe why Mary was a little more, and Martha, maybe a little bit more like, you know, you've healed everybody else. You know, you've done this for everybody else. Why couldn't you come through for us? Let me just say, you got to be real careful with this. Um, don't ever feel neglected because you see God do miracles for other people and hadn't done one for you. Because um, you don't know why and you don't know what's the season or what's going on, but listen, um, maybe God doesn't come through with cash for you anymore or something like that. But if God provides consistently for you, what's better? To consistently know what you got coming in or to... Hope God gives you a miracle in the mailbox. Consistency from the Lord, the blessing of God, isn't to have miracles all the time. It's really not. The blessing of the Lord makes one uh, bountiful, blessed, um, prosperous, if you will, and adds no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord is a consistent flow. It's consistent. Like miracles aren't, if you see that Jesus doing miracles... There were provisions for us to follow in the scriptures so that we don't have to have as many miracles. Right? Let me get, guys, let me just break this down real quick. My wife's sitting over here. Fellas, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Not them jokers on Hallmark. That's unrealistic. Can brother, can I get an amen, brothers, in the room? It's all right. I know she's right beside you. Can I say it? You can say it. It's going to be all right. You don't own a ski lodge in the Aspen. You not you not rolling up in a little little Porsche. You know. You, I'm just saying. Maybe you got all that. But my point is, most of us don't have the time flexibility of flying on a private jet and do this and do that. And oh, drink our hot cocoa and walk down the little snow covered things, candy apples, go to the fair. When is the brother working? <laughs> At what point did he clock in? I don't know. 
And when does she do anything? It's just like constant bliss, okay? If that was the way it was, the word would never tell us, guys, to love her like Christ loves the church. That means you got to give up times. You got to, you got to, you got to serve her like Jesus has served the church. This, the church is his bride. He loved, he paid for every, he gave up everything for his bride. Same way. Ladies, you got to respect and honor your husband. Don't take that as an offensive thing. It says, you know, you know, Sarah called Abraham Lord. You don't have to do that. But the respect thing for a guy is the equivalent of him loving you and, and surrendering to you in the sense that you're the only one. For him, he knows you love him, but that respect thing is a big deal to a guy. He can run through brick walls, climb mountains, stop speeding bullets, whatever you want to call He can do anything as long as he knows you respect him. But the moment he feels disrespected, it, 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 this is the equivalent of how you feel if you don't feel loved. It just ter- So what does God say? He gives us instruction about this. Why? Why? Because it's to keep our marriage healthy and whole. Those things help. Hallmark, you watch it if you want to, okay? <laughs> Whatever. It's funny. It cracks me up. My kids, we watch them sometimes and go like, I know before five minutes in, I already know how this is going to end. Like, he ain't going home with her. She's out. That and there are making snowballs. She's going to be the one he's at. You know, it's just going <laughs> Never fails. But God gives it because he doesn't want you to live on miracles. Nothing wrong with miircles. We need them at times, but he doesn't want you to live on them all the time. All right. Where was that? Okay. Golly, I'm all over the map today. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. Yes. All right. So, so she comes out now upset because he wasn't there to help them. Don't get, you know, worked up over the people's miracles. Just trust God for you. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. I think Mary's like, yo, I ain't getting in. I'm not getting into this with you. Like, I'm just, she let her go. Martha says to Jesus, now, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I think she had a little sass about her. I really do. Because she was a friend. And I think she was saying, look. But then she backs up. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he'll give it to you. Kind of balancing out what she said, maybe. <laughs> Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he will in the resurrection on the last day. So Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes to the world. And when she said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and calling for you. (laughs) Hilarious. So when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. He's still not going to check on Lazarus. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and felt his feet and saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I'm going to tell you uh, in the next few moments here, just that we have together here. I know how these conversations work. You don't have to pretend with me. I know we pretty much every one of us has said, God, if you'd have done this for me, I wouldn't be in this situation. And it's okay. I mean, we've all been there. The key is this, though. It's not what did he not do. It's what has he done. He's already paid the price for you and I. The resurrection of Christ is a real thing. And if he doesn't do another thing for me, if I don't get anything on my list from God, that is enough. There's something to learn, and I'm not in this camp, okay? I'm not. There's something to learn about people who have this steadfast faith about no matter what comes their way, they just accept it saying, you know, God's will. I, I don't agree with that because I don't, I think you have choice and those kind of things very clear in scripture. But have you ever noticed how they just say, whatever my lot in life, it is well. It is well with my soul. I don't ascribe to that theology because I, I think God gives us choice and there's plenty of scriptures to, to show things. 
But there is something really, I think, strong about people who would just say, no matter what, Job, even if he slays me, yet will I trust him. It, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. I, I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not always there. I'm like, God, if you had done this, this is, I'm still there, sometimes there. That's my conversations. But I just, there's something to be said about great trust in God. Now watch this. He says, <clears throat> Therefore, when Mary came to Jesus, she saw and fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. This interesting word, um, this denotes, if you this phrase, it denotes uh, like a horse does, like a stallion, like if you ever seen like a, when they get little, not, not people who ride tame horses and things like that, but have you ever seen one of those where they, or maybe a, a cow, like a, a bull or something where it does its little hoof like this, and they're like snorting, kind of like, it, it means back off. If you live on a farm, if you're near cows or anything like that, you may not have seen this before because that's, you just got, you know, the mama cows out there. If you ever see a bull, don't mess with those things. But that's what it means. So it says, so Jesus is moved like, he's like, not sinning. Why is he so moved? Well, his friend's dead, number one. Number two, he knows if he does this, he also knows that death has no hold, but he knows if he does this miracle, this resurrection, he knows his is next. And it's up to that. He's at, he's at that final moment where he's like, you know what? I put up for the last three and a half years everything the devil has done. I've watched my people Sick, I've watched them beaten down, I've seen them oppressed, and I'm ready to go through 100%. That's kind of where he was. It goes on again, it says, and where have you laid him, he said. And they said, and Lord, come and see. And so Jesus wept at that moment. Emotions are high right here. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. I don't know if that's why he was weeping or, or if it was just the emotional toil on him right then, of what was going to take place. But it says, <clears throat> Some of them said, now watch this, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man, again, messianic, prophetic fulfillment. They just discredited him as the Messiah by saying that. Could, well, he did, you know, he did a miracle for them. Could he not do one for me? So, this man, could he not also keep this man from dying? So Jesus, again, watch this, being deeply moved. How, like he is, like he's not going to hit somebody, but he might have thought about it. I don't know, you know. He did kick over some tables before. No sin. I'm not saying he sinned. He did not sin. But he comes to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone was laying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so they might believe that you sent me. Why would he have to say that? Because they did not believe. He's already proved he's the Messiah, but this one event's going to change that. So when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. And therefore, many of the Jews who come to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. Remember what I told you about the religious spirit? The worst of all. Verse 47, or verse 46. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. When it says but there, it means they weren't there to see the miracle. They didn't like him, so they told on him. You just got to know, look, I'm telling you, not everybody's for you. I heard T.D. Uh, Jake say this one time. I thought it was a most, one of the best things I've ever heard. And I'll probably botch it up because I'm no Bishop Jakes. But you, uh, you, in your life, you have three groups of relationships. You have a, a, a kind of a crowd group of people that's just around you. And they're with you so long as you're with what they're with. You know? You like the Falcons, they roll with you. You decide you're no longer a Falcon fan, they're, well, I don't know, you. It's very fickle, you know what I'm saying? It's just very fickle. It's a, it's a bigger. And then you have those who are, they're closer. Uh, he called them comrades. I don't know if I like that term, but anyway, comrades. Um, 
And he said, these are people, they're not really for you, but because of what you stand for and because of stand um, with, they're for the cause you understand what I'm saying? It's one, they're with you. The first group's with you just cause, you know, they're with you. As long as you don't rock the boat, you're good. The second group is, as long as you're with their cause, their causes matter. As long as you do their cause, man, they're, the moment you deviate from the cause, they're out. And he said, then you have confidants. These are that small group of people who love you. And they're for you because of you. Not because of your cause, not because of what you're for, not because of what you like. They just like you. And so you've got to figure out in your relationships in life, which ones are you closest to? Because if you're closest to people that's in the crowd, uh, they're going to break your heart. Make sure you can, which ones are you closest to? All right, so we'll finish up here. <clears throat> so <clears throat> he said this, unbind them and let him go. And but many of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Verse 47. Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and said, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. Religious spirit. Watch it. If we let him go on like this, all the men are going to believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. They liked, their, they liked what they had. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. <laughs> Watch this. Nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that, watch, one man die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. Now, he did not say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation and not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together into the one, the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, the religious people planned together to kill him because he did a miracle, a resurrection. I say all that to you because we often say things like, God, if you'd been here, then you would have done this. God, if only my kids would have been, God, if you hadn't, then my marriage, if you'd have really come, I could have made the team. If you, all these things. And I'm just saying that not always is God going to fix everything on our list. Sometimes his promises are yes and amen. Okay? But, you know, Paul didn't get a great break in a lot of stuff. I mean, he kind of got, <laughs> got worked over a good bit, you know? Jesus didn't get the best end of the deal. If you look at it from the standpoint of what he had to go through, it was pretty difficult. There is an element of the Christian faith that you do kind of have to go through some stuff sometimes. But it's okay. For greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. So today as we close up, I want to just wrap up with this last thought here with you. Um, I think for most of us, death is an uneasy thing. I mean, it really is. I mean, like I, I, over the last couple of years, I, I did. I think I started looking at how many people during that pandemic season. Uh, by the way, this is the third year coming out of that. So I just really feel like God wants to do um, some new things. And, and the reason I'm saying that is because, look, if, you, if you've had a struggle like most people have in the last three years, I just believe that God is going to do something. I just think there's something significant about three. It means, if you look at it, it is tied to the resurrection. And um, this is no prophetic word. I'm just, maybe. I'm not, I'm not getting up here and stand this to say the Lord here. I'm just trying to encourage you with something. Please don't give heart, lose heart right now. I think if there's something in your life that needs to change, this would be the year. Believe for it. Don't give up right now. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't give up on God right now. I mean, you remember, it is what, the darkness, it is at the darkest right before the sun comes up. It, always, it's the oddest thing because once the moon's gone, it's kind of in between the moon and the sun. It's always the darkest, but don't quit. Don't give up on God now. I want to pray for you. And the one thing I want you to, just consider is this, is something that Paul said, and I'm going to put this on the screen for you, and then I'm going to pray for you here. 
Paul says something about death is very interesting. He says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? <laughs> I said it back, which way? But death, where are your thorns? Or where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? I'll put this on the screen for you so you can see this. Um, if you guys don't mind putting that comparison. And I want to pray for you guys today. It's the, um, the comparison on 1 Corinthians 15 and the one in Hosea. Yeah. So check this out. Paul was actually quoting Hosea. This is, this is really cool. Like, this is worth hanging in there for today, okay? And I'm not saying it because I'm saying it. I'm just telling you this is really cool. Um, it, it's a little bit odd. Um, w. Vines, which I, I use a lot, is, I like these old guys. You know what I'm saying? I like, new guys are fine, but I like these old guys. You know, they didn't have the internet. They had no chat GPT or whatever. They, they, no Google. It's old school research, you know? W. Vines has a commentary on New Testament words in the Bible. So when Paul writes this, he says, <clears throat> Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It, it, it is quoting Hosea. Hosea says this, Oh, death, where are your, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Oh, death, where is your thorns? Oh, shoal, where is your sting? Two different words. So in Hosea quotes it, he says, Oh, death, where are your thorns? Death is death. It is, you know, physical death, if you will, okay? <clears throat> Call it spiritual death if you want, but it's death. Shoal is the place of the departed soul. It's where everybody went. In the Old Testament, they all, based on what you read, for most people agree with this, it's where people went. And Jesus went, you know, and pulled people out, if you will. But the point is, Sheol is a place of departed soul. It's like where he said, you will not leave your Holy One abandoned, or you won't let him see corruption. You're not going to leave him in this place called Sheol. Hosea says, oh, death, where are your thorns? Oh, death, oh, the death of life, where is it? But then he says, oh, Sheol, where's your sting? Paul doesn't do that. Paul quotes death twice. And so W. Vines, it was weird. I was reading it. It's like he, he was bugged by it. He said, you know, they mistranslated this in the King James. I went back and started looking up more. And I thought, no, they didn't. It's, no, it's right. Why did Paul do that? Why did he go, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Why would he go on there twice, the physical thing? Why would he not talk about Sheol? There you are. He was so convinced on the resurrection. He was like, you can beat me, you can kill me, you can destroy this body. I don't care because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He knew there's no departed place anymore. Man, when you die now, it's going to be with Jesus. You might get a resurrected body one day, but the beauty of what Jesus did is the eternal significant and the salvation of Christ is not so that one day you just sit in the box for the next 400 years. We don't know one day, maybe. Guess I'll get out of this box. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Paul is saying, the only thing that we have right now that bothers us is the separation of this world and going on to be with him. And that's it. You don't have to fear this of what would happen. Where would I be? Is he going to leave me there? He's not. The resurrection paid for that. Jesus said it this way in Revelation 1.17. He says, when I saw him, John was talking about, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid for I'm the first and the last. And watch this, I'm the living one. And I was dead. If people ask, Jesus died. Yes, he did. He was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Now watch what he says. And I have the keys of death and of Hades, or Sheol. Same word. Both keys. So Paul is saying, well, he's got the keys of Sheol. Then that's taken care of. If I die, that's it. I'm going to see Jesus. Like, that's it. You want to know why he was so crazy? And bold, he believed in the resurrection. He didn't believe in a temporary thing, like just left over here somewhere that God was going to. He believed in eternal salvation. And I want to encourage you today that the conversations that come and go from time to time are, I don't know how it happens, but this whole thing about the resurrection and wondering and questioning this and that. Look, Jesus died, and he was buried, and he was resurrected. 
You, you don't need the Bible. To, you can go read Josephus. He'll tell you that. The Antiquities of Josephus, historian at the time of Christ. <laughs> He'll tell you. It was a verified fact. So we go today. I want to pray for you. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads right now. And listen to me. With your eyes closed, your head bowed, I want you to understand today the power of the resurrection. There is no longer a place called Sheol, a place called Hades, if you will, where you're going to go one day and maybe wait around for a while. And this is where some of these people get these ideas of you got to hang out there for a while and wonder if you're going to see it. No, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what Paul said. Oh, death, where is your victory? You have none. Oh, death, where is your sting? Momentary. And I think Jesus, one of the reasons he was so frustrated with them at the time is because they didn't understand who he was, that he was the resurrection. And it was, he was, boy, he was really, really intense about it. And imagine how much more he wants us to understand today the power of the resurrection. So with your eyes closed, I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to help us. Lord, help us to understand the power of your resurrection. God, help us in Jesus' name to understand that you're not going to leave us in a place that's corrupted. You're not going to leave us in a place. But God, as Paul would say, oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that you help us to understand the revelation of what Jesus did today. That we might be as bold as Paul. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. To live as Christ. To die as gain. I thank you, Lord, that you help us to be strong in this revelation of who we are in Christ and what the revelation did for us or what the resurrection did for us, Lord. God, I pray for anybody here that doesn't know you today. I pray that they will know you. God, that they will receive your son, Jesus Christ, today. So with your eyes closed, no one looking around right now, I'm going to pray for you. If you're here and you don't know Christ, but you want to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The whole church is going to pray with you right now. But I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And just repeat this after me with the whole church. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I give you my life. I give you my heart. Father, I thank you that Jesus died for me. He was resurrected for me. So I receive Jesus as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, church. Can you give him a hand right now? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet before we go today. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down front. And uh, that's the most stuff I want to share with you today, but I kind of felt like the other. You guys chose the adventure, so kind of went down a different road there. It's all right. It's all good. But I just I want you to understand, no matter what, if people ever start talking to you about this, that the resurrection might not, I'm telling you, please have the guts to walk away from that conversation if you don't feel like you can handle it. Do not let people pull you down a road of thinking the resurrection did not take place. It's okay. If you can't handle it, just, just say, hey, look, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get in this with you. Don't let that infiltrate your mind. That's just a work of the enemy, okay? But I would encourage you to go read about Lazarus and understand what Jesus did further and understand the power of the resurrection that you have right now today. So before we go, I just want to encourage you and thank you for what you're doing, like the food drive. If you didn't get a chance to do it, you can bring it by this week, but uh, just let them know. You can come by the, the offices there. But thank you for being a part of that. We're going to deliver that, uh, the food out this week. And then thank you for giving as well. That'll be on the screen there. How do you give and those kind of things there at the church and how you support the work that God's doing here at Cornerstone Church. Uh, if you want to give online, cornerstonerome.com, there's the thing. Yeah, there's the thing right there. Awesome. So you can do that. And just thank you for your, uh, your, your giving. And as we pray for you guys, uh, I want you to understand that the blessing Lord, what I said about that, the blessing Lord adds no sorrow. It blesses. The word rich blesses one. An abundance, but adds no sorrow to it. And so, as you give, just trust God to bless your life there. So before we go, we always like to speak this over your life here in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. And it says this, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you his peace. Man, God bless you guys so much. Have a wonderful day. If you need prayer, come on down front. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart. 
And that's Jesus. See you next time.